Hey everybody, uh, I just today um, want to talk about a quick um, response that I recently wrote an article about um, to a common, uh, a common argument I'm seeing um, by the WMSCOG to uh, when we talk about Ong Sang Hong's book and we talk about um, his, his book where he refutes Mother God. Uh, let me pull that up real quick. So the, the problems with the New Jerusalem, the bride and women's veil, veils, we've done um, several of these, uh, several videos talking about this uh, book. And a common response we've seen uh, that I'm going to talk about is, is this. Um, it's that uh, they'll use the, the scripture from, I believe it's um, somewhere in Luke, I think. Let me, let me pull that up real quick. So in, well, actually Matthew, but it's probably in both Matthew and Luke. So in Matthew 16, 23, um, it says that, uh, you know, before I start this, I'm going to make sure, make sure real quick I'm actually streaming. Um, if you guys can hear me, this is, this is a new software I'm using at the moment. Um, and so I just... I, I want to make sure um, it's working. Okay, so we, we're getting a comment there, so it, it looks like it is working. Okay, good. Okay, so let me pull up this book here again. So again, uh, in the comments is mainly where I've been seeing um, this response. It's out of Matthew 16, 23. So we, we look at the book Ong Song Hong wrote where he very obviously refuted um, the doctrine of Mother God. And the response that's been common in the comments to these arguments, the response from the WMSCOG is to bring up Matthew 16, 23, where um, Jesus calls Peter Satan. And so this is a situation where Peter was, um, he was not acting in line with the truth. His mind was on worldly things. And so he, uh, so Jesus acknowledged and recognized the fact that um, Peter in that moment was not in line with the truth. And so he was actually acting as Satan's mouthpiece. And so what the WMSCOG does basically um, is they say that in the same way that, that Ong Song Hong refuted Mother God, but today uh, we, they believe that he, uh, he, he eventually believed in her and taught that, that she was a reality. And so they equate that to the fact that Peter called Jesus or Jesus called Peter Satan. But today we don't still think that Peter is Satan. I, I, I don't know if you're picking up that reasoning or not. It's, um, really is a little bit, uh, honestly, it's just silly. Uh, it's really kind of silly reasoning. Um, and I'm just, I'm going to read a, through a few parts of this. Uh, article. The link to this article is in uh, the comment section of this video, but uh, I just I wanted to talk through a couple things, and then also um, I have a quick encouragement to give, uh, and then I'm going to look at and respond. There's a couple comments. We just did a live Zoom conversation that a lot of you were a part of, um, and we do plan on doing more of those uh, soon. Um, we're, we're trying to get a hold of Ray. Many of you heard the conversation we had with Ray, a current member, um, and I'm in contact with him, um, hoping that he will come on and do maybe just a conversation with me, or maybe uh, also if, if you 
you're a member and you want to jump on do a conversation as well. Um, ideally, I think we would we would like to do a um, a one on one conversation or even a two on two conversation. And you could probably call it a debate is kind of what we're hoping to do, but do it in a respectful way. I think if you watched the video, you saw that it, we can have these discussions in a respectful way where we're honoring the other person. We're actually listening to what they say. Um, and so I think uh, that's, that's what we want to do. So again, if you're a member, if you have any interest in coming on and sharing your side of the story, if you want to share... Um, uh, refutations to what we things we're, we've taught and said in the video if you want to share defenses of your group and just talk with us about that we really want to do that we want to have um, you know I think it's it's we're doing a lot of videos where it's kind of one-sided where you're only able to hear our side of the story uh, when we, we make these videos and we're uploading them you're just hearing our part and and uh, we want this uh, we think the the live aspect of this and the zoom conversations Doing it in that format allows us to to have a little bit more of a relational uh, way of doing this where we can actually talk back and forth with each other. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm just hoping to be able to do that more with you guys. We're hoping that you're willing to to uh, do that. I think it's just a lot more healthy and productive way to uh, have these conversations rather than trying to talk back and forth in YouTube comments. Um, and so, yeah, so... Let me jump into this book again, the, the argument of the WMSCOG about Satan. So, um, pull this up here. So, Ong Song Hong, um, in his book, Problems with the New Jerusalem, the Bride, and Women's Veil, Veils, he clearly and directly displayed uh, that he did not believe in the existence of a mother god. Um, and so he wrote this book to refute a woman named Um Su In, who had begun to make assertions that she was a female deity Mother God. In this book, Ong Song Hong gave his interpretation of passages from Revelation 21, 22, and Galatians 4, which were being used by Um Suin to purport her false views. These passages of scriptures are foundational to the WMSCOG doctrine of Mother God and stand as some of their most commonly used passages to support this doctrine. Uh, the problem for the WMSCOG arises from the fact that Ong Song Hong's interpretation and views of these passages do not at all line up with theirs, but rather his views contradict and oppose them. Okay, and so here I'm going to get to, this is the commonly used argument, and this is this is how it goes to defend against that book. And if you're a member, um, if you're a new member, most likely you, there's a, there's a good chance you haven't heard about this book yet. Um, if you've been in the church, or I don't want to call it a church, honestly, I keep trying to catch myself. I don't believe the WMSCOG is a, is rightly classified as a church according to the standards of what the church is taught by Jesus. And so um, that's not said as an insult. I just, um, uh, I've been thinking recently, I, I want to stop using that terminology when I refer to this group. Um, so the argument, uh, the defense that, that I've, I, again, I've been seeing this in the comments over and over um, when we make videos about Hong Song Hong's books. This is how it goes. Um, they appeal to the event in Matthew 16, 23, um, where Jesus calls Peter Satan. So they argue that since we don't insist today on Jesus's words that Peter is actually Satan, then in the same way, we shouldn't insist today on Ong Song Hong's words that Mother God does not exist. So if you have even a basic understanding of philosophical reasoning and logical argumentation, then there's a good chance you are appalled at the lack of logic in this argument. Um, and so this argument, if you understand it, 
rightly, is uh, a faulty comparison or uh, a false analogy. And it represents a common tendency of the WMSCOG to resort to fallacious and illogical forms of arguing to defend their doctrines. So this is, um, again, I don't, if you get this argument, in, in essence, it's, it's just they're saying that because in that moment, Jesus called Peter Satan, they equate that and say that's equal to Ong Song Hong's book where he refutes the doctrine of Mother God. So I'm going to just kind of talk through quickly uh, from this article why that, that just is not the case. And that does not, uh, as I said just now uh, and read from this article, um, it's a false analogy. And if you know anything about philosophy and philosophical arguments and, and um, logical ways of, of debate and arguing, then you know that what this argument that that uh, you just heard, uh, the WMSCOG argument, it's a fallacious way of arguing. It's a philosophical uh, fallacy. Um, it's a false analogy. Um, the, the, the instance of Jesus calling Peter Satan is not equal to, they're, they're in completely different categories. They're, they're not the same thing. And so you can't use that as a comparison. And, and um, so I'm going to explain why here. So um, in Matthew 16, 23, Jesus, the, the, the biggest thing to, you need to realize, and, and right now I want to talk to you members who are relying on this argument um, to defend Ong Song Hong's book. If you've heard of Ong Song Hong's book, maybe you've been challenged by it. You thought, man, how do I, how do I deal with this book? What do I do with it? Um, this, in this book, he's obviously saying things about your doctrine of Mother God, and so you have to figure out how do you defend it. And many of you have resorted to this argument. You've gone and, and you found the uh, the defense. And you can find this defense on some of the WMSCOG websites. I think uh, the true WMSCOG.com or something like that is where I pulled an article to get, um, and I saw this ar argument laid out. But many of you, I think, are relying on this argument to defend uh, your doctrine. A and you're thinking, okay, well, since Jesus called Peter Satan in that instance, that that means that's, or you equate that to Aung San Kong's reputation. Here's why that doesn't work. So in Matthew 16, 23, Jesus was not making a, a theological argument about Peter actually being Satan. He was simply recognizing that Peter's mind in that moment was set on the things of men and not the things of God. Therefore, in that moment, Peter was in a sense serving Satan's, serving as Satan's mouthpiece to distract Jesus from his mission. Jesus recognized that Peter's words were in opposition to God's will, and so he rejected Peter's words as if they had come from Satan himself. Um, and so, although in that moment Jesus called Peter Satan, he was not making a theological assertion that Peter was literally Satan. This should be obvious to anyone who simply reads through the text of Matthew 16, 23 and examines it honestly. In contrast, though, when we examine Ong Song Hong's book and the arguments he presents, it's clear that he was making theological assertions and presenting doctrinal positions. This is absolutely different than what Jesus was doing in Matthew 16. Um Su In, so Um Su In, if you don't know, is the woman that Ong Song Hong wrote the book to uh, refute. So he wrote this book against this woman, Um Su In, who was uh, claiming to be Mother God. And so Um Su In was using texts like Revelation 22, Galatians 4, and he, she was interpreting them as teaching the existence of a female deity of God. So Um Su In was taking the texts like Revelation 22, Galatians 4, and, and again, these are foundational 
scriptures that the WMSCOG today uses to teach the doctrine of Mother God. This is exactly what Umsu Win was doing. Um, and so she takes these and, and interprets them as if they teach the existence of a female deity of God. And then she was applying them to herself and saying, these sects teach Mother God and I'm Mother God, basically. So here's the kicker. Here's the thing that's significant. Ong Song Hong specifically addressed these texts and made clear that in his view, they did not reveal a teaching about a female deity. This is something that I haven't really, at, at this point, I've not heard a legitimate response to this from the WMSUG. And so I just, first off, I encourage you guys who have left this church and, solidify, and, and just I'm solidifying, hopefully in your mind, that this group is false. And you see the contradiction here that Ong Song Hong himself had a different interpretation, a different understanding of texts like Galatians 4, 22 through 26 and Revelation 21, 1 through 4, passages that the WMSUG commonly uses, foundational passages that they use to teach their doctrine of Mother God. Ong Song Hong taught a completely different view of them. He had a different interpretation of them, uh, an interpretation that lines up more with my interpretation. And ultimately, he looked at these passages that the WMSCOG uses and Um Suen used to teach Mother God and he clearly and, and uh, uh, dogmatically showed that they, that's not what they're about. That's not what they teach. Um, and so um, he displayed, Aung San Hong displayed that their views of these scriptures stand in direct opposition to the views of Aung San Hong. And so the main thing here is that you got to see that Jesus calling Peter Satan was not, it wasn't a theological teaching that he was trying to establish. He wasn't literally saying, Peter, you are Satan. But in contrast, Ong Song Hong was looking at these passages of scripture and he was making a theological statement, asserting a doctrinal position about these scriptures and subsequently making a doctrinal position about Mother God. And what that means ultimately is that he was saying Mother God does not exist. By his interpretation of these passages, he was, uh, uh, he, what you can pull out of that, what he was meaning to communicate is that Mother God does not exist and these passages do not teach her. So this this is why this this is why this argument that is popping up in the comments over and over just does not work. Um, and so here I, I want to show you um, uh, what a good comparison would actually look like. Like if you wanted to go to the Bible and find a comparison uh, that that you could use to defend Ong Song Hong's book. I'm going to explain what that would need to look like in order to be a logical and reasonable comparison. Okay, because the whole thing um, that I'm trying to get across here is the fact that um, the way that uh, the way that the WMSCOG compares Jesus calling Peter Satan to Ong Song Hong refuting Mother God, that's just a false analogy. It's a false comparison. It doesn't work. You can't compare the two things because they're they're completely different circumstances. Uh, Ong Song Hong had a completely different purpose for refuting Mother God than Jesus had for uh, calling uh, Peter Satan. The two are, com they, they have nothing to do with each other, um, if you really understand it. And so here is what an actual comparison should or would look like. So um, let's say that during this moment in Matthew 16, 23, again, where, um, where Jesus calls Peter Satan. Um, let's say, let me pull this up here. Say, okay, so let's say that during this moment, Matthew 16, 23, Jesus had taken out the scriptures 
and he began to examine all of the commonly used passages that Christians use to prove the existence of Satan. So I'm saying here, in that moment, let's say Jesus, he pulled out a scroll and he started looking at, you know, passages like, uh, like Genesis 2 uh, through 3 and Job, chap uh, chapters in Job where Satan is directly mentioned. Um, so let's say he, he pulled out these scriptures and he, he looked at them, he read through them, and then he began to refute the commonly uh, held view that Satan is a literal being who exists. So Christians and even the WMSCOG would look at passages like Genesis, look at passages like Job, and they would say, well, we see Satan taught here and that means he must exist. He's an he's a actual uh, being who exists. Okay. So again, what I'm saying is what if Jesus pulled out these scriptures that we commonly use and he started to refute them and started to show, no, these don't actually teach the existence of Satan. If that was the case, um, that would be very much comparable to what Ong Song Hong was doing, where he looked at specific scriptures that the, the WMSCOG uses to teach the doctrine of Mother God, and um, Ong Song Hong began to dismantle those views. Uh, he, he, he knew that Um Suen was using those to argue for the existence of Mother God. He took them and began to show why they don't teach that, but they teach something else. So if Matthew 16 actually served as a good argument for the WMSUG, then this is what would need to, this is what it would need to look like. This is, this is a, an example of what we need to see in this passage for it to be a legitimate and logical comparison. Um, so what if uh, Jesus argued that the passages about Satan in the books of Genesis and Job actually did not teach that Satan literally exists, but instead they teach something entirely different? If that was the case, then this would stand as a legitimate correlation between what Ong Song Hong did in his book when he refuted the existence of Mother God. Uh, and so let's go further. So now let's say that after Jesus made his case, uh, again, the case that the commonly used passages from Genesis and Job do not actually teach the existence of Satan. So let's say after he did this later on, he actually began to teach that Satan does exist. And then the apostles began to also use the passages like Genesis and Job to prove Satan's existence. If you're following with me, this, is, this, this would be a comparable uh, example or comparison between what Ong Song Hong did if this was what we saw in Matthew 16. Okay, so we again, the example I'm giving is we what if we saw Jesus taking Genesis, Job, and other passages in the Old Testament that teach about Satan that we use to say, look, Satan exists, he's a real being, he's an actual person, or an actual being who exists, and he, he has an evil influence in the world. What if Jesus took those at this moment and he refuted them? He refuted our common understandings of them. That would be equal to what Ong Song Hong did with his book when he refuted Mother God. And let's say, then, what happened with Ong, what, what happened, and according to the WMSCOG, they say, well, Ong Song Hong retracted the book where he refuted Mother God, and now the WMSCOG actually uses those very scriptures that Ong Song Hong interpreted uh, in a way that was against the doctrine of Mother God, the WMCOG, uh, they use them to now teach the doctrine of Mother God. That, if, if so, if we looked in Matthew 16 and we saw Jesus first refuting Mother God in these, these or first refuting Satan in these passages, then later on, what if we saw Jesus retracting those and saying, no, Satan actually exists. And then we saw the disciples, as the WMSCOG is doing with, with the passages about Mother God today, what if the disciples then continue to use the passages that Jesus refuted to teach the doctrine of Satan? I know this might be a bit of a confusing 
argument. Um, I hope you're following along. And, and if it is confusing, I'd encourage you again to look at this article and just read through it and, and try to understand um, uh, the arguments being presented here. In essence, the point of this is that this this is an, a good, this would be a good example. If this is what we saw in the Bible, this would be a very good example that the WMCOG could pull to and say, look, Jesus did something similar to what Ong Song Hong did when he refuted Mother God. Okay, but here's the deal. Everything, everything that I just said, uh, this, this whole comparison that I just gave, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Jesus didn't say anything like that. He, in no way was he making any sort of, he wasn't making a theological argument. Again, that's the main thing. He was simply making, uh, in that moment, uh, Peter was acting as Satan's mouthpiece. He was His mind was on the things of the world. And so when he spoke, he was speaking things that were contrary to God's will. And so Jesus called him out by calling him Satan. But he again, he wasn't literally calling him Satan. Ong Song Hong was literally saying, Mother God does not exist. He was literally making a theological doctrinal statement, Mother God does not exist. Okay, Jesus was not making a theological doctrinal statement that Peter was Satan or that Satan doesn't exist, and then he later on retracted that. If he did, then my point is that would that would stand as a good argument for the WMCOG to use. That would stand as a good comparison. The fact is that didn't happen. That is not at all what you see in Matthew 16, 23. And so your guys' use of this, to you who are using this in the comments, to you, um, even if just in your own mind, if you've heard about Ong Song Hong's book, and th if this is the passage you're using to comfort yourself and to encourage yourself that, oh, it's okay that Ong Song Hong wrote this book because I can, I can, I can settle it in my mind by referring to Matthew 16, 23 in this circumstance where um, Jesus called Peter Satan. If you're doing that, you need to stop, okay? Because that argument is horrible. It's terrible. It, it doesn't work. And I'm not saying that as an insult. I'm just saying logically, just go look up the look up in Google. Just Google faulty analogy or false comparison, and you'll see that that's this this argument that the WMSCOG uses lines up perfectly with what a false analogy is. Um, okay, so finally, the conclusion of that is that when we examine the WMSCOG's usage of Matthew 16 as a defense of Ong Song Hong's book, it becomes clear that this defense simply does not work. Ong Song Hong's book still stands as a, as a significant problem to the WMSCOG doctrine of Mother God, and it further solidifies the mounting evidence against them that they are a dangerous uh, cult. Okay, so when I say these things, these this is to some this would sound as hard, mean, rude language. When I call you a cult, I'm not doing that as an attack or insult. I'm I'm, I'm and I'm not directing this to you individual members. Um, I'm directing this to the organization itself. I'm directing this toward the ideas, the concepts, the doctrines themselves. Those are the things that I'm angry at, those are the things that I would speak harshly against. I don't want to speak harshly against any person um, unless you yourself are obstinately hardening your heart and rebelling to the truth, then I think there's a time to speak uh, harshly to people. But right now, I just again, I hope that this is removed. Uh, you guys who are relying on this argument to defend Ong Song Hong's book, it doesn't work. It simply doesn't work. So please, I, I would ask you to stop using that in the comments. 
because uh, it doesn't work. It's just a bad argument. And as you continue to use that argument, as you grab onto that instance of Jesus calling Peter Satan as a defense of Aung San Hong's book, what you're really showing, what the WMSCOG shows, is that they don't even understand what's going on in Matthew 16. In that instance, they don't even under, they don't understand the spiritual significance. They don't even understand the meaning of that passage. If they understood it, that they would realize that when they compare it to Aung San Hong's book, it's a false analogy. It's a false comparison because the two are completely different things. And um, yeah, I just hope you see that. Um, so now, what I I want to do really quick is I'm just gonna um, looks like there's a few people watching. I want to say to you guys in the comments, if you have, I probably won't take a, a ton of time, but if you have questions um, or comments, anything that you want to to ask about this group um, uh, or about the things I just said to, just feel free to, um, to say those things or ask those questions on the comments. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to pull up a couple comments from the recent video, the live stream uh, Zoom conversation we just did and, uh, and look at some of those real quick. So Rudy, uh, I see you're saying you hope your cousin is seeing these videos. I believe this group sent my cousin and his uh, wife to, let me pull this comment up real quick. Sorry guys, I'm, I'm very new to this thing, but I think, yes, there we go. So Rudy, uh, I hope my cousin is seeing these videos. I believe this group sent my cousin and his wife to set up a house church in Beaumont, Texas, but it, it's been uh, maybe two years since they moved over there. Um, so yeah, look, looks like a lot of you guys, uh, Guy Galagos, you said your, your girlfriend has been a member for seven years. Wow. Um, you ask if you can read the books and she said, I couldn't because I'm a Gentile. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a, yeah, a good example, I think of, of the attitude that's often presented. Um, it's unfortunate. Um, there is, yeah, I, I keep saying, and I talked to, um, Jesse um, about this after we did the the recent um, Zoom conversation is something that I've been encouraged by honestly as I've been dealing not not just with the WMSCOG but different cult groups as I've been in uh, around Mormons or as I've I've heard things and seen uh, instances or testimonies from former Muslims. Um, what I've been encouraged by is the fact that I believe there is an actual truth. There's a real truth of God. There's real, I've, I've seen in, in Christians who are following Jesus, sincere love, sincere faith, sincere joy, sincere goodness, and truthfulness uh, within people who are sincerely following the truth of Jesus. I've seen a reality that there is actually a reality of true love and true goodness. What's made that so much more clear lately is I've seen the opposite in so many WMSCOG members in particular, because that's the group I've been most focused on, obviously. And with within the group, I've seen, I've, I've just seen, and, and again, I, I guess I can't, I can't say this a broad brush every single individual member. I know that's the truth because we we just spoke to like Ray, who was just a really respectful, um, uh, honoring guy, and, and just good to talk to. But I've seen so much in the comments. I've seen uh, in different messages we've received. I've just seen a lack of genuine love and goodness. The stories I've heard from former members of their experiences inside this group just shows me the 
really just the evil that goes on in these in so many of these people's hearts and members' hearts, the the deceptive personalities. And and I've seen that when I see how clear it is that there's a, there's a real evil, there's a real false religion you can walk in where you can think you're in the truth, you can think you know God, you can think you're following Him, but ultimately your fruit, the fruit of the way you you act, and and you know, the, Guy Gallegos is common again that I was just looking at when you when you and I know this isn't a perfect example, but just this this little instance of of you have these people that won't even let you read their books because they say you're a Gentile. And just this this attitude, this persona that that these people walk in of of pride and really just a lack of sincere love, I think is what it boils down to. I've seen that so clearly in people. So many people in this group that think they know God, they think they're following him, they think they're honoring him, they think they have the truth. But ultimately what's being displayed is a lack of genuine love and goodness, truthfulness, faithfulness, the fruit of the Spirit, the things that God ultimately wants to come out of us. That's what he's after is, is changed hearts. God is not after seeing how, how many outward observances can we commit ourselves to? How, how many rituals will, be, will we be faithful to keep? He's not looking and checking off a list of how many Passovers we have attended, how many Sabbaths we're, we're being faithful to. Now, I know there, there's a, a way to do these things and to keep Passover, as my brother Tim, we've talked about him a lot lately, but, but a guy who does these things but is not doing them, thinking God has this checklist where, where his relationship with God is dependent on how well he's doing at these things and how his, his observances and his, his, his feasts, his ritual keeping. God is looking for a changed heart. That's what God wants. God wants more than anything. If you're if you're in this group, if you're seeking God, I know so so many of you are seeking God. You're you're you want to know Him. You believe you have the truth. You love the Bible in a in a sense. You have a zeal for God, like Romans nine talks about. But we have to make sure our zeal for God is according to knowledge. Uh, again, Romans nine. That's what Paul says about the Jews. They had this zeal for God. But ultimately, it was not re- this zeal for God, these, these rituals they were keeping, these duties they were performing, these laws that they thought they were, and these laws and commandments they thought they were being faithful to, they were not producing in them a genuine transformation, a transformation of their heart, of their mind, of their attitude toward people. It wasn't producing in them true faithfulness and goodness, uh, gentleness and love. And so I have seen, and I've been encouraged and built up in my own faith, being reminded that, man, there is a Jesus in the Bible. The things that it teaches in there are true because I've seen such a contrast between those who are in the WMSCOG and think they are in the truth, but I see just a lack of genuine love. I see a lack of the fruit of the Spirit, but I've seen that, man, there are people who actually walk with these things. They walk with peace and joy and genuine love and goodness to people. Uh, Self-sacrificial love. Um, and so I've, I've seen both. I've seen the reality of both. And I've been encouraged in my faith that it, it reminds me that this, this thing, the Bible, Jesus, the reality of good and evil, of truth and, and deception is real. Because I, I see it play out. I see it work out in reality. I see it actually uh, manifest uh, in, in people. And so uh, I think that that is just a testimony to the truthfulness of the Bible to the truthfulness of who Jesus is, that there is real reality. There is truth to who God is and who he says he is in the Bible. Um, and, uh, and that encourages my faith. But it also shows me 
the reality of deception that those who are in this group need to think about the fruit that's being born. You guys who are considering joining this group need to think about the fruit that is manifesting out of these people. And I think that's that's the cause of a lot of people leaving this group. As I've seen a lot of members leaving the group, that's one of the things they keep coming back to is, is they just the, the way that members operate, the way that they saw the church operate, um, the WMSCOG operate, and the, 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 the deception, the dishonesty, the, you know, trying to sending, sending the, some of the leaders to, to go and count the money, uh, the tithes and offerings of, of, of the other members to try to figure out how much money they're giving, things like that, um, telling members not to preach the handicapped, the homeless, and um, just there's a lot of things if you get into this group, you get in there, you're in there for a year or two, I'm 100% confident you're, if you look around, you examine it, you open your eyes to what you're seeing, you're going to see the heart, the core of these people, what this doctrine, the doctrine of the WCOG, what it produces is not the love of God. It's not the fruit of the Spirit. It's something else. It's something else uh, that you don't want to be a part of, I believe. Um Okay, so sorry, I kind of got off on a, a tangent there. Um, Rudy, you asked, um, where did you get the book that shows Ong Song Hong disproves Mother God? So you, uh, there aren't um, copies, uh, physical copies. As far as I'm aware, there aren't physical copies of this book that you can get. Um, you can find a PDF uh, form of this book that's been translated into English from Korean. Um, I will, I'll put a link to that in the description. It's, you can find it if you go to examining um, the, actually, let me put this in the comments real quick, examining the WMSUG.com. Um, I think I wrote that right. Nope. I can't talk and type at the same time. Examining the WMSUG.com. Um, if you go to that website and you just use their search tool and search uh, Ong Song Hong's book or uh, Ong Song Hong, Mother God, something like that, they have a copy of the um, entire book um, in PDF form again. And so, uh, yeah, you can, you can find that. And, and I would encourage you, if you're a member or if you're doubting, you know, if you've left the church and you're doubting, did I do the right thing? Did I make the right decision? Is there really evidence? Maybe there's evidence that this church is really true. Just go directly to that book. That's that's one of the that in itself I think demolishes the WMSUG. Whatever whatever other arguments you might present, um, that that is a foundational thing. That man, if if that book is true, if Ong Song Hong really refuted the doctrine of Mother God in these passages like Galatians and Revelation, that's a big deal. That's a very big deal. And so. Uh, without having to figure out all the other arguments that the WMSCOG uses, I'd, I would encourage you, if you're searching this thing out, go directly to that. Just go to that, read through that book, and see what Ong Song Hong said. And again, as I as, as I wrote in that article, I think it's just very, very problematic um, to the WMSCOG and their doctrine. So um, I'm going to read a couple comments. I haven't read through these, so I don't really know what everything I'm going to come across, but I just, um, I want to respond to some of these things, um, that I know are being said here, um, in the comments. So let me get this fixed. Okay. So th this seek the truth is, is a member, a current member who we recently made, um, a video reply to, uh, seek the truth. If you are watching or if you've, um, will watch this, um, 
I would encourage you to go back and watch the video we just released uh, where we it's, it's titled something about responding to uh, members YouTube comments that video was actually made in large part and as a response to some of the things you said um, we have asked and we continue to ask seek the truth we would love to have you come on and do an interview or just do a conversation with us and listen it wouldn't even have to be live it wouldn't have to be a video we don't have to make a video about it we just like to talk to you and obviously you're passionate about this and you are um, putting a lot of comments you're trying to have an effect um, against the videos we're producing, which is fine, but um, we would love to have you come on and just talk with us, as Ray did. Um, I think you saw that we are willing to have a respectful um, conversation with you. We would love to do that. We'd love to just talk to you, hear, hear you out, hear your side of the story, hear your position. And rather than saying all these things in the comments as you continue to do, I would just ask why not do it in a more personal way? Why not just say this to us in a phone conversation? Um, or if you would like to do it, you obviously want others to hear what you're saying. Um, you continue to say these things in the comments of the videos and you've multiple times uh, mentioned that you want others to watch, members to watch and, and be influenced by what you're saying. And so we, again, we wanna give you a better opportunity to do that through a, um, a discussion with us in a, in a video and we'll let you share your comments and your thoughts. And, and yeah, we'll reply to those and we'll let you reply to what we say. But I just ask, if you really think you have the truth here, if you really think what you're saying is the truth, why not just come and, and talk to us about it? Um, and so, um, so let's just look. Here's one thing I think I want to point out. And um, so here's here's what he says. Uh, the point my brother Ray Gomez is making is about a male and female that exists in nature, which indicates a male god and female god exist. Okay, if you don't know, this is a common argument, which we've responded to um, already, and we responded to Ray to. Uh, the argument goes like this. In nature, we see both a male and female uh, human beings. The WMSCOG says, therefore, that must mean there is a male and female God. Um, that is, again, that's another example of a, a false analogy. Um, the one does not necessarily follow the other. Um, and so... He says, if you all recognize the list, you mentioned there's a male and female each time. Uh, so my response to that, what, he, what he's getting at here, um, he talks about there's a male and female aunt and uncle, grandfather, grandmother, brothers and sisters, etc. Um, and he says, uh, we're missing the point. So my response to that, to their argument about a male and female human being equals male and female God is simply to say, well, if you're looking at nature and you're using that natural argument, you're saying, well, in nature we see male and female, therefore there's a male and female God. I would say, well, also in nature we see a grandmother and grandfather. We see aunts and uncles. So does that mean too that since we see that in nature that there's a there's not only a father and mother God, but there's a grandfather, grandmother, there's a aunt and uncle, there's a cousin God and a brother God and a... It, I mean, when you, if you really follow out that logic, that argumentation that the WMSCOG uses, it quickly is shown that it doesn't work. And it quickly shows, again, how often um, the WMSCOG resorts to just illogical ways of arguing to defend their positions. So, he, again, he says that um, his point here um, is to say that if I use that argument about grandfather uh, grandmother, brother and sister, aunt and uncle, um, and that would mean also that there's all these kind of gods. 
his argument is that, well, even within these categories of grandfather, grandmother, aunt, uncle, you still see the pattern of male and female. Okay, well, let's, I'll, I'll, I'll give him that. That's true. Yeah, there's, there, if there is a grandmother, grandfather God, there's still the male and female image within that, or as they would say. But here's the problem. Seek the truth. Even though there is still the male and female aspect within grandmother, grandfather, aunt, uncle, it doesn't negate the fact that there would still you'd still have to acknowledge that there's a grandfather and grandmother God. Okay, so if you want to embrace your your argumentation that a male and female equal male and female God, if a male and female human beings that we see in the natural realm, if you're using that as an argument, say that equals a male and female deity, that equals proof as a male and female deity then just as easily, just as logically, I think you have to say that means since I see in nature, I see a grandmother, grandmother and grandfather, you know, father and mother, father and mothers don't just pop into existence. They come from somewhere. They come from grandmothers and grandfathers. So you have to also acknowledge there must be a grandmother and grandfather God. Okay. So the fact that there's, uh, you know, still a female uh, female uh, sex within the grandmother and grandfather and the aunt and uncle categories. Well, it, it doesn't negate the fact that there are aunt and uncle and grandmother and grandfathers. I, I hope you see what I mean. So uh, if your argument's true, male and female equals male and female God, then you have to follow it fully out. And, and you quickly see that now seek the truth. Even if there are female deities of God, you can't just stop at mother God. You have to say, well, there's also grandmother God. There's also aunt God. There's also uh, female cousin God. Um, because we see all these people, we see this in the natural world. That must mean it exists in the spiritual. That's their argument. That's not my argument. I don't believe that at all. I do not believe there's a grandmother and grandfather God. I do not believe there's an aunt and uncle. I think that's silly. I think it's unbiblical. There's no biblical basis to any of it. It's a, It's an insertion. It's a it's an example of eisegesis where you look at the text, you have a preconceived idea of what you want the Bible to say, of what you, your doctrine is, and so you force that idea into the text and you then pull it out. Rather than eisegesis, which is simply looking at the Bible, taking it for what it says, examining what it actually is trying to communicate, what the author is in the context is trying to communicate to us, and you pull that out. Um, I believe that if you follow this this reasoning that's being displayed here, that male and female um, equals um, male and female human beings equal male and female God. You just run into all sorts of problems. I think this argument obviously doesn't work, and I'm confused about why it continues to be used. The other thing that I think makes this, uh, I think it's worth pointing out um, that I'm going to look at, is where they get this mainly. So again, we've talked about this in the past, but I think it's worth pulling out because he mentions Genesis uh, in other comments. So just let's just look at this really quick. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our, our image after our likeness to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. So let us, this is what they focus on. This is, this is again, one of their key verses where they'll look at this and say, See, God in creation is saying, Let us. And they'll use it to say, So within this, is both Father God and Mother God. So it was Father and Mother who created man. But let's keep let's just keep reading and see why this becomes problematic. So it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So think about this. 
they use this to say this is mother god within the us okay so there's a plurality here and i think i would argue there's different interpretations of this but i think it's much more easy to find biblical uh evidence that this us when it references us it's not referring to a mother god why would we think that when there's no other references in all of scripture to a mother god why wouldn't we look at passages in the bible um like um let me find this like colossians 1 colossians 1 16 which says, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rules or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Okay, and then John 1, 3, it says, through him all things were made. Well, who's him? Who's the him he's referring to? He's referring to Jesus. Uh, there, there's places in scripture too where it says that God made all things through Jesus Christ. So who, who are the two people that biblically we know for a fact we know we can look at the bible and examine the text of scripture and know that there was a plurality there was multiple persons involved in creation but is there any biblical basis to believe that those persons involved in creation were mother and father god well no there's no biblical basis for that there's no other text that would reconfirm that but we do find texts like like this where it tells us that there was multiple persons both father and son were involved in creation. God created all things through Jesus Christ. So the us, I think, are very good. And I, and I think there's other possibilities here that, that we won't go into in this video. I would lean towards saying the us is a reference to um, God the Father creating all things through Jesus Christ, which is reconfirmed in the New Testament. There's no reason to believe this is mother. Further than that, here's, here's the, the issue we further run into that solidifies this text. Genesis is not talking about mother and father making mankind in both a female and a male image, which again is a WMSCOG position, their argument. Look at, the, look at the pronouns used every time about God, not only in this passage, but, but think about the rest of the Bible. Whenever there's personal pronouns used to, to refer to God, Let's just see what they, they are. It says, so God created man in his image. What is this? This is a male pronoun being used to refer to God. So God is referred to here to, with, with masculine terminology, his own image. In the image of God, he created him, who's him, the him being referred to as mankind. So right now, both male and female are being referred to. This is significant too. They're being referred to in a uh by, by the, the 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 masculine again terminology him refers to both you can see him can be referred to as as both male and female so god he a masculine male god made him mankind both male and female and uh in his image so it's a male uh and again this isn't to say that god has physical male uh uh physiology or, or biology uh, or body parts. That's not the point. Um, obviously, there's symbolic, some forms of symbolic language, but what we're seeing here is that it's only ever appropriate to refer to God in masculine terms. If you want to be biblical, then you can only ever refer to Yahweh God, the true and living God, with masculine terms. There's no uh, precedence in the scriptures to refer to him as anything else. 
And here's here's the kicker. This is this I think really sums it up. Um, it says male and female. He created them. Notice here that the author of Genesis one twenty seven makes sure to differentiate between the fact that there are male and female human beings, but he doesn't do so in the same in the same text to God. He 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 divides mankind up. The category of mankind becomes divided into both male and female, but but the category of God remains defined only by a single masculine pronoun, he. Okay, so right here, male and female, this is two. There's a division here, male and female. There's two uh, sexes within the category of humanity, and the author here is making sure to, to tell us that. But again, he makes sure to leave God within the category of one single being who is a he. So he created them. Once again, plural. There's, there's, there's a plurality here being referenced to within the category of mankind because there's both male and female. But it's significant that God remains described and defined only in, in singular uh, male pronouns. He created them. So my question is, if within this Genesis uh, 1, if the author wanted to teach us about Mother God, why did he make sure to differentiate between the male and female human being sexes, but he, he, also, he made sure to define God as only a he? Right here we see the God that was involved in the creation of mankind was only ever in Genesis, and the rest of scripture referred to with masculine terminology. He created them. But again, the text makes sure to differentiate the fact that there are male and female human beings. If you are honest and you look at this passage of scripture and you really examine it and try to understand what was the author actually conveying, I believe it's an abuse of this text. It, it's, it's a terrible interpretation of it to take mother God out of this, to draw that doctrine out of it. I just think it just doesn't work. It's it's a dishonest way of handling the text, and I'm just saying that. Seek the truth. I know you're referencing. Um, you have referenced that um, a few times. You've referenced Genesis one. Um, I just I think it doesn't work. Um, and again, there's there's other videos. If you want to hear more about this topic, we have um, other videos that we can link to where we talk about Mother God. We talk about their the WMSCOG usage of Genesis and, and why it just doesn't work. So I'm just I'm going to read through a few more comments here. I, again, I haven't read through all these, so I don't know what I'm going to run into. I just want to make sure there's nothing here that would be good to um, reply to. So let me just see what he says here. Um, he says, another thing I'd like to bring to your attention, you mentioned numbers don't define truth. Okay, so here's here what he's referring to is in the Zoom conversation, the Ray, the current WMSCOG member, kept, uh, mentioned a couple times the fact that the WMSCOG is growing at a rapid rate. And he, at first, was, was sort of using this as evidence that this, that therefore means that this group is true, that the WMSCOG is of God. We replied by saying the growth of a group, an organization growing, does not, does not equal to, it's not equivalent to that group being of God. Because, I mean, I made the somewhat humorous but also serious uh, point that Coca-Cola is growing, you know, uh, uh, different uh, 
a lot of different organizations, both religious and non-religious, are growing in the world. Uh, a really good example in comparison would be Mormonism. Mormonism is huge. Uh, it, 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 uh, the WMSCOG is dwarfed in comparison, I believe, to Mormonism in reference to the sizes or the, the numbers of people within this group. But that doesn't mean Mormonism is true. Um, and I think most people would agree to that. And I think Ray acknowledged that as well within the conversation. So that's, that's all to say. That's what Seek the Truth here is referring to. So he says, you all mentioned numbers, uh, don't define truth, yet you promote that many are leaving the church, and you're su suggesting that we don't have the truth. Okay, so we, we keep talking about the fact that there are members leaving the group, and, and there are. We're getting messages and emails behind the scenes of, which are just awesome to see, um, of members that are leaving this group, uh, members that are seeing the videos being impacted, being challenged to think, and they're leaving the group. Um, and so he, he's talking about how we keep referencing that, but, but we're not, um, just so you know, we're not referencing that as evidence that the WMSCOG is false. We're not saying that because members are leaving, therefore that that proves the WMSCOG is false. Like I, understand if we were arguing that that would be a that would be just as bad of an argument as the one I described at the beginning of this video where the WMCOG compares Hong Song Hong's book to Jesus calling Peter Satan it's just that's that's a false analogy um, and so that's a bad argument I understand that would be a bad argument and if we were using members leaving this group as evidence of the falseness of the WMCOG that's not what we're saying um, so it says you promote the many are leaving the church, suggesting we don't have the truth and insisting we are a cult. Because of the numbers, you are converting to leave and many leaving. That's not, that's just not true, okay? We're not saying that um, it's proof that you don't have the truth. It's proof that you're a cult because of the numbers who are leaving it. He's saying things that we have not said. So I'm just, I'm just saying this is a challenge. Seek the truth. You need to hear what we're actually saying um, and reply to things we're actually saying rather than putting arguments and words in our mouth that we're not saying. We never said that. So he says, do you forget what you said and do you also forget what was written in the scriptures that give, gave examples of your hypocrisy? Um, so was it not written? Many walked with Jesus and heard the message. The Pharisees and Sadducees rounded many people to help persuade people to not believe and slander him and uh, things he taught by mocking and ridiculing him and eventually handed him to be crucified. Just because a large multitude followed Jesus, then most of them left, doesn't define Jesus' new teaching, not biblically sound. Okay, so these, again, this is this is all stuff that we haven't said. I don't, this isn't, um, you're somewhat wasting your time here. Seek the truth because, um, oops, because these are just, these are just things that we, <laughs> we haven't argued these things. So I don't know why you're responding to this. Uh, in this way. Oops. So let's see here. Let's see if he says anything else here. So he says, what's happening today, nobody can explain what's in the New Testament. Just like the Pharisees and Sadducees and teachers of the law, uh, going what they was taught, the law of Moses today, we, we go by what we were taught about the interpretations of the New Testament. Like the people in Jesus' time, they only had partial knowledge, I think he meant to say had partial knowledge, even Paul said himself, uh, didn't know everything or understand it all, wished he could finish the race 
there's a reason Christ had to come a second time is to explain the rest of the prophecies that was written both in the Old and New Testament. My point is Jesus came the first time to reveal to us what was prophesied in the Old Testament and introduce, instituted a new covenant law, a spiritual law. The second coming of Christ came to preach and mock and explain the rest of the prophecies both in Old, New and Old Testament. There was more than Paul wanted to know, which Apostle John on Patmos got the privilege to see. Okay, I, I'm a little bit confused about what he's uh, trying to argue here. I just, sorry, I'm kind of focusing in on this particular person's comments. The reason for that, again, is because this is a current member who is continually flooding the comment feeds of our videos with his argument. So I honestly don't get what he's trying to say here, um, which is another reason why I, I wish you would come on and just talk with us on video, because I think it'd be a lot easier for us to understand what you're trying to say. Let me just jump down here to the last point. Um, he says, in the prophecies about how we would recognize Christ in the last days, Christ Hong Song Hong would reveal himself the same way Jesus revealed himself to John the Baptist through the prophecies of what he would do. We just need to see what Jesus did that was prophesied he would do to recognize he was the Messiah. In the last days, we too must see what Christ Hong Song Hong did that was prophesied he would do. Okay? Uh, yeah, I, I agree. In order to recognize second coming Christ, we need to look at the things the Bible says prophecy said he would do. So let's just talk about real quick a few things that the Bible says would happen when Christ returns a second time. If you look at 1 Thessalonians, I believe it's chapter 4 or 5, it describes how when Jesus comes, what he's going to do is that the dead in Christ would rise. Those who have died in Christ would, would meet, the, the believers who were alive when Christ came would be caught up in the air to meet Jesus and also to meet those who had believed in Jesus and had died. Um, let me find this real quick. So this is 1 Thessalonians 4. Um, if you want to know what uh, the Bible and prophecy says about the second coming of Christ, again, what, what he's arguing for, he's just... He, he's making the argument that is often used by the WMSCOG that Aung San Hong fulfilled prophecy. So many prophecies, it's so convincing. The Bible is so clear that Aung San Hong is Christ because of the prophecies he fulfilled. And he's saying we must examine what the Bible says about Christ when he returns the second time. And I'm just saying, yeah, that's true. So let's just look at 1 Thessalonians 4 where Paul was expecting Christ to come back, I believe, in his day. He was, the second coming Paul taught about and believed in was a coming that he expected to come in his time. I think he adjusted his views later on. Um, but he says, we don't want you to be informed, brothers, about those who sleep in death so that you will not grieve like the rest uh, of mankind who are without hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So number one, here's a prophecy. What's going to happen when Jesus comes the second time? Well, he's going to bring with Jesus those who have died. He's using the words, he's, he's using fall asleep to say, to speak of death. When Jesus comes a second time, the teaching of Paul was that he would bring with Jesus the, the, the people who had, would, had died with Christ for the past 2,000 years, who had died with faith in Christ. When Christ comes a second time, Paul taught God would bring those people with him. So that's one thing that we can expect to see in the second coming of Christ. Then he says, by the word of the Lord, we declare to you that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord. See, notice here, Paul was expecting the possibility that he would remain alive until the coming of the Lord. He's using the words we. He's, he's, he's using personal pronouns to reference himself. And in, in, uh, he's including himself within the body of believers. 
insinuating and I think clearly communicating that he believed that he, the second coming of Christ, would come. It was possible that it would come while he was still alive. So he says, we declare to you that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have fallen asleep. So Paul had no expectation that there had to be a restoration of the truth, a restoration of Passover, a restoration of truth that was lost, as the WMSCOG claims. Uh, they claim that when Christ came, he had to come again to restore the truth, and, and then there would be a third coming. So they divide the comings of Christ into three comings, which is just, um, again, it's unbiblical. It's not in the Bible. And I think we see here, Paul was leaving no room for that. And Paul's theology, there was no room for that. Paul was expecting that the second coming, when Jesus came again, he would not be coming to restore Passover. He wasn't going to be coming to restore the new covenant. Paul is teaching here, what he expected is that the second coming of Christ is a coming that would involve Christ raising people from the dead and bringing with him all those who had died in faith in Christ. So he says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a loud command. Here's another prophecy. What's going to happen when Christ comes a second time? He's going to descend from heaven. Physically, he will descend. Um, if you look at Acts chapter 1, there's a place where it says that Jesus, the same Jesus who ascended into heaven, the disciples physically saw him rise and be taken away into the clouds. This is a physical thing that happened. Even though the WSCOG uses the, the references to Christ coming in the clouds to him coming in the flesh. So maybe you can use instances of that where there's some application. I don't know. That's a, that's a topic for another day. But the fact is, Acts clearly tells us that Christ physically ascended in, into the clouds. Jesus Christ. And it tells us that this same Jesus, again, if you look at, I'll just find this as Acts chapter 1. Um, find this really quick sorry we'll pull it up on the screen so so the disciples it says they were um well it says he was taken up before in verse 9 there he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight their physical eyes saw physical jesus ascend into the physical clouds real clouds not flesh here this is real actual clouds that jesus ascended into when he left the disciples were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Maybe these were angels, probably. That's the common interpretation. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same, this same Jesus, think about this, here again is a prophecy. This is a prophecy of the second coming. And he says, it's when Jesus returns a second time, what it's going to look like is it's going to be this same Jesus. Okay, what? Let me just ask, what Jesus ascended in Acts chapter 1? What kind of Jesus that, 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 that the angels are saying it would be that same Jesus that returns? One is that he was a Jewish man in his uh, low 30s, a Jewish man. He had wounds, Wounds in his hands and in his feet. He had, he had a, a hole in his sides, a scar in his side. These physical symbols of the work of the cross that he accomplished that remained in his resurrected, glorified body that Thomas was able to touch and put his hands into. You see at the end of the Gospel of John. Okay? Jewish man with scars on his body, visible scars, in his mid-30s. And what's his name? Jesus. His name is Jesus. What did the angels prophesy about Christ's second coming? 
They said it would be this same Jesus who would return. If it's this same Jesus who's going to come back in the second coming, then it cannot be that immediately, emphatically, removes the possibility of it being a Korean man. If it's this same Jesus, then it's going to be this same Jesus. It's going to be a Jewish man who comes back. He's, his name is going to be Jesus, not Ong Song Hong. So here we have descriptions of the second coming that are hugely problematic for the WMSCOG doctrine. I hope you, I hope you see this. Um, seek the truth. I hope you see that as you're pointing us, you keep pointing us to examine the the, the prophecies. You're saying we need to examine the prophecies. Um, well, as we're doing that, as we're examining the prophecies, I think we're seeing problems because it's going to be this same Jesus. It's not going to be Ong Song Hong. The angels here and their prof prophecies about the second coming have negated the possibility of it being a man named Ong Song Hong coming in South Korea. Okay. And they go on, listen, listen to this. They say this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back. How is he going to come back? In the same way you have seen him go into heaven. He's going to come back the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Okay, So you might argue, I know the WMSCOG argues, if you're not familiar, they will use references to Jesus coming on the clouds and they'll say that applies to, that. that's, that's a reference to the flesh. That means that they'll use different scriptures and put them together and say that equals to coming in the flesh or being born in, in, in a human way. Okay, so maybe there's some places where you could argue for that. Like there's prophecies out of Daniel where it says Jesus will come on the clouds and some, some of those Jesus said that he had fulfilled, I think, is, is kind of their argument. So maybe, let's just, for the sake of the argument, let's say maybe in some of those places you can say that Jesus coming on the clouds references his coming in the flesh. Uh, I don't know. I'm not saying yes or no to that at this point. That's not the point. What I want to say is that the, the words, the, the, what the angels say here in their prophecy makes it impossible for that to be what they're saying about this. They are not referencing Jesus being born again as a human Korean man. Um, whether or not there's the cloud references and other places reference the flesh, it doesn't here. That's not the case here. Because they are taking pains, it seems like, to make sure that we know that this same Jesus, why, why would the angels say that? Why would they make sure to say it's this same Jesus who's going to come back in this same way? Why would they put so much emphasis on it being the same Jesus coming back in the same way? Well, I think a good, re uh, a reasonable uh, reason to conclude that maybe at least one of the reasons they emphasize this is the fact that they were aware there were, would be groups in the future, like the WMSUG, who would argue and say that, no, Jesus has already came back, come back, and he's come back as a Korean man. Um, there's been multiple people in history who have, who have claimed to be Christ's return a second time. But here's the thing. None of them have been the same Jewish, Jewish Jesus who came out of heaven, who came back in the same way he ascended. Jesus physically ascended into heaven. The angels prophesied that when he came a second time, he would physically ascend or physically descend from the clouds. This correlates right back to 1 Thessalonians, which we were reading, which tells us again, describing the second coming, that Jesus, when he comes, he would descend from heaven. 
with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And what else is going to happen in the second coming? The dead in Christ will be the first to rise. After that, we who are alive and, re and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So based on these two scriptures, and there's so many more we could look at, but if we take, we take the challenge that has been uh, presented here by uh, Seek the Truth in the comments, which I agree with, we need to look and see what the Bible says about the second coming, what's the description of it. And as we have examined these prophecies, what we have seen and what we will continue to see if you examine other prophecies in the New Testament is that when Jesus comes, it will look incomparably different than what Ong Song Hong's coming to this earth looked like. Okay, again, so let's just, uh, just to recap, just these scriptures that we've looked at, what does it say the second coming of Christ is going to look like? He's going to come physically in the clouds. It's going to be a physical coming in physical clouds. He's going to be in the, the air where we can see him. The disciples saw him go away with their physical eyes. The angels prophesied and said, you will be able to see Jesus come back with your physical eyes in the air, in the physical clouds, okay? I'm putting so much emphasis on this because the angels put emphasis on this. The prophecies made about his coming were emphasized that this is what it's going to look like. He's going to come back physically in the clouds. Second, it's going to be a Jewish man. It will be a Jewish man. Jesus resurrected as a Jewish man. It was this same Jesus. Uh, he had scars on his, his hands and his side and his feet from the cross. That same Jesus, I believe, will have those scars when he returns. And it's going to testify to the work, the love, the grace he has for us, and the work he did on the cross to accomplish our salvation. It's going to be that Jesus, okay? Third, it's, again, it's going to be that Jesus, meaning his name will be Jesus, okay? And if you watch any of our videos before, we constantly refer to Philippians 2, where it says, in the last days, every knee will... It doesn't use the words in the last days, but it's a prophecy of something that has not yet happened. It says, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Okay, if in the end days everybody's going to be bowing and worshiping the name Jesus, that tells us and reconfirms what the angels tell us in Acts 1, that it will be a man named Jesus who returns. When Christ comes a second time, he will not come with the name Ong Song Hong. He will come with the name Jesus Again, reconfirmed by Philippians, which, which is a prophecy telling us that in the last days, the name of Christ that people will be worshiping and bowing to is Jesus. Look at Philippians 2. Look at that passage yourself and ask yourself, when it, when it refers to every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, ask yourself, has that happened yet? Has every knee bowed in heaven and on earth and under the earth? Has every knee bowed, every tongue confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord yet? ask yourself that as you read that passage. The answer is no. Obviously, that hasn't happened yet. And because the answer is no, what that means is that it's something that still has to happen. What that means is that Christ, when he comes again, still has to be worshipped under the name Jesus, by the name of Jesus. It will be the name of Jesus that people worship. These scriptures stand, if you will just look at the Bible, if you go away and read it for yourself, don't, don't read what the WMSCOG, uh, don't read within their Bible studies, don't read within the context of how they tell you to read the Bible. Go away and read these passages on your own. Take the Bible, read it on your own. Ask God to reveal you by his, 
to reveal to you by his spirit what these words mean, you will see there is no room in scripture for Ong Song Hong to be the second coming of Christ. There is no room, okay? Okay, I think we're on three. The fourth thing is that, again, when Christ comes a second time, what's been prophesied, what we will see is that um, the dead in Christ will rise. There will be a resurrection of the dead. And if you find other scriptures, what we'll see is that when Jesus comes a second time, what it's going to look like is that those who believe in him will be transformed. There are bodies, our decaying bodies, that we're still uh, uh, longing to be freed from. Bodies that can be impacted by sin, that can be impacted by death, can be impacted by Satan, uh, by uh, sin, uh, by sickness. These fallen bodies we will be redeemed from when Jesus returns. There's passages in 1 John that tells us that when we see him, when we see Christ come the second time, what's going to happen? We will be made like him. We will become just like he was. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, he did not no longer have the, the physical body that we have. He was able to walk through walls. You know, it talks about how the disciples were shut up in, a, in the upper room and somehow Jesus just appeared in there. So we're going to have the same kind of physical bodies that will be unstained by sin and decay and the curse. Um, this is something that did not happen when Ong Song Hong came. We did not see a resurrection of the dead, and we certainly did not see uh, ourselves the, or those who follow him have their bodies redeemed. So you can read Romans 8 where it talks about how we eagerly wait and we long for the redemption of our bodies. When's that redemption going to come? It's going to come at the second coming of Christ. So as you examine the Bible, as you examine the prophecies given about the second coming of Christ, what it's going to look like, what's going to happen, you see that what happens is, uh, what's going to happen is much, much different than what happened when Ong Song Hong came. Ong Song Hong was not second coming Christ. Um, so real quick, some of the things that happened when Ong Song Hong came. Again, he was born in Korea. He was born to, uh, evidence shows, two Buddhist parents. Grew up um, in a Buddhist home, most likely practiced Buddhism for at least part of his life. I mean, I would assume. Um, he was part of the uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church for, I think, 16 years it was. Um, and, and going back to his parents, the, in, the interesting and significant thing about this is, is the fact that when Jesus came, think about this, he, Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus was born not of, uh, he did not have the DNA of man. Um, and I believe this is, this involves, and I don't fully understand all this, but I think what this involves is because when Jesus was born of just a woman, he was born of spirit and flesh. He did not have the DNA of fallen sinful human beings when he was born on this earth. But Ong Song Hong was born to two human parents, both who had a sin nature. Mary had a sin nature. But God did not. And so when Jesus was born, that sin nature, I do not believe, was passed through to him. I, I think that gets at part, of, at least, of what is significant about the virgin birth. Ong Song Hong did not have a virgin birth. Ong Song Hong was born the same way every other human being is born, to two fallen, sinful uh, human beings. What this means is that Ong Song Hong was born with a sin nature just like ours, with a fallen, corrupt nature just like we have. What that means is that Ong Song Hong needed a savior. He needed redemption. He needed forgiveness of sins. 
just as much as we do. And I believe if you look at Ong Song Hong's writings, you'll see that he believed that. You'll see that he did not, and he didn't believe he was second coming Christ. He, he didn't. He thought he was Elijah. But his books, the Green Book, uh, the Spring of, uh, of the Water of Life, uh, I can't remember the full title, but you'll know it as the Green Book, which the WMSCOG has removed three chapters from that book. Um, but within that book, you see that Ong Song Hong believed and taught that Christ, when he came again, it would be the name Jesus. And he, he made specific claims that we could point to and show you. If you want to see later, you can ask us. He's, he made specific claims within the Green Book that we can only be saved in this age and the age to come through the name of Jesus. Ironically, the WMSCOG has removed those quotes um, from the book. They've, again, they've removed entire chapters. Um, because they know Ong Song Hong did not believe he was Christ. He taught things that were clearly in contradiction to that idea. If Ong Song Hong was here today, sitting in on this conversation, he would agree Ong Song Hong is not, uh, that he is not Christ. He's not second coming Christ. He didn't believe that. He didn't teach that. Um, and so, yeah, Ong Song Hong's coming looks entirely different than what the Bible tells us the second coming would look like. Um, and the last thing I'll just point out about Ong Song Hong's coming, that is, you, you just can't get past, it's a huge deal, is the simple fact that he died. Um, and so if you look at, let me pull this up real quick. So Romans 6, I think it is. If I can find it here. So Romans 6, 9. It says, for we know that since Christ uh, was raised from the dead, oops, since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Okay? So Christ cannot and will not die again. When Jesus died, he was buried in the tomb and he resurrected. The testimony of the scriptures is um, Christ will not die again. He will not die a second time. You WMSCOG members, I say this out of love and sincerity and an exhortation to think about this fact. Ong Song Hong, this Korean man, died just as any other man will die. Um, he died as a man. He was a man, and he was nothing more. This mother god that you're believing in, Zong Gilja in South Korea, she is a human being woman who is fully aware, I believe, um, she's either fully aware or she's fully deceived by the devil to believe that she's mother God. I don't think she even thinks she's mother God. I think she's fully aware she's not God. She knows she's not God. She knows she has no supernatural powers. Um, the thing we say all the time is that she doesn't even know members' names. Members of the WMSCOG who call her their mother, their God, they pray to her, they, uh, they believe and they'll even teach that mother knows every person's name and she can count the hairs on their heads. Well, when you go to visit her in South Korea, they will make you wear a name tag so that she even knows your name. And I've heard member testimonies of um, people who have gone to visit her and they ask, and, and she asks them, what church do you go to? What, what's your position? Uh, where do you live? Things like that. Like things that if she's mother God, if she, either if she's mother, your mother in any sense, or if she's God in any sense, information that she should know, but she doesn't. If you think about Jesus, I think it was Philip who was under the fig tree. And Jesus, before he met Philip, before he saw Philip, he saw he, Jesus 
communicated that he knew things about, I think it was Philip. I might be getting that wrong. Correct me if I am, but uh, you might be uh, uh, familiar with what I'm talking about. He, and he, Jesus knew things uh, intuitively by the Spirit of God. If you think about the woman at the well, Jesus, uh, she says, he told me everything I ever did. Jesus because he was God, he intuitively, by the Spirit, knew things about people. He could see into them and know them. Hong Song Hong and Zong Gil Ja, it's, it's not that. It's, that is not the case. There's no evidence that they're God. No evidence at all. And again, the significant thing I'm pointing out here is the fact that Hong Song Hong died um, as any human being will die. He died as a man. The Bible says Christ would not die again. This immediately, emphatically, clearly uh, removes the possibility that Ong Song Hong is Christ or God. Um, so with that, I'm going to kind of wrap this up, but we're getting some comments again. Um, this is Gitesh Tombay. I don't know if you can see um, these comments here, but uh, this, is, this is somebody who is a current member. Hello, Gitesh. Um, if you're still watching, um, just uh, one second. I'm trying to trying to make sure this is popping up. So you're saying weak knowledge of Bible. I would just um, thank you for coming on, sharing your thoughts. Um, I just would like to know if you could clarify um, what you believe is the weak knowledge of the Bible. Um, what I've said so far that you would challenge or disagree with or um, think is weak. Um, you're also saying, you said, yes, according to you, she is woman, but she is real God. Okay. So I, I, I guess I'm just asking what I would ask members, um, what we ask Ray, and what I'd ask you, Gitesh, is just, uh, could you please provide evidence that Zongil Ja is God? Can you please provide evidence that she's anything else other than a human being? Um and, and I'll just point you right back to um, Ong Song Hong's book. I just want to point you back to that because if members are unable to deal with Ong Song Hong's book where he himself personally refutes and disagrees with the idea of Mother God, then I, I think it's um, not really fair or reasonable for you to continue to assert the idea of Mother God. So I would just ask, please try to provide evidence uh, and support and defend Ong Sung Hong's book. Because again, if you're this, this Korean man, he believes God wrote a book refuting the idea of mother God. How can you feel any confidence to believe and continue to give your life to this Korean woman, believing that she's mother God when your own, uh, who you believe is your father, your father, God refuted and denied and disagreed with that concept. Um, so that's my question to you. And, um, looks like, um, I don't see any other questions. I know this is a weird time to do a live stream because most people are working, but uh, I just wanted to make sure to get out these thoughts and point you guys mainly to the article, uh, that I talked about. Um, because again, that that's a common, uh, Basically, the only defense I think I would say one of the one of the only defenses, at least, um, or one of two or three defenses against Ong Song Hong's book, is again that that uh, instance where Jesus called Peter Satan. So I just 
Um, hope this is clarified. It should clarify. I think that that is not a good argument. That doesn't solve the problem. Um, it's a false analogy, and the issue of Ong Song Hong's book still remains uh, a big issue that I don't think has been answered. And so I'm just encouraging you guys to think about that. Um, again, the link to that article, I think it'd be easier to maybe understand the problems with that argument if you just read through the article. Um, and so I'd encourage you to do that. And all of this is to hopefully make you guys think, especially those of you who are members, make you think, challenge your thinking. Again, Gitesh, Tom Bay, I don't know if I'm saying your name right, but if you're watching, I understand that these things are very, very personal to you. I understand that your belief in God is is real. It's sincere. You really believe. I think you you probably, I don't know you very well, but I think you probably really want to know the truth. I, you know, again, the, the member we keep responding to from the comments, seek the truth. Um, I'm encouraging you guys just to seek the truth. This isn't meant to attack or demolish or just to be mean. I know it's impossible to communicate an opinion and, and a... a to, to take the Bible and, and refute certain doctrines without it sounding mean and harsh. Um, I want to be loving in all that I do and all that I say. I know that if I'm not doing that, I'm a noisy symbol or an, and a clanging gong, like Paul says. And so my goal here is not to be hateful or unloving or simply to just demolish somebody else's beliefs and say, hey, I'm right, you're wrong. That's not my purpose. That's, but um, I do think the truth, the reality of these things need to be shared in the way we're trying to share them. Um, the arguments you guys are presenting in the YouTube comments, we just feel they need to be continually replied to and responded to um, because they're faulty arguments. They don't work. And there's so much evidence that's just piles upon piles of evidence against the truthfulness of this group and it's dangerous. At the core of this, if, if this was a harmless group, if these were harmless beliefs, then there would be no reason to do this. But the thing is, you guys are giving your lives away to false gods, to human beings. You're, you're committing your entire lives, as we talked about to Ray, to this belief that as of yet, I haven't seen you able to really defend or give any reasonable uh, explanations for why you believe that Aung San Hong is Christ or Zongil Ja uh, is God. And you haven't given any reasonable uh, defenses to the clear challenges against these things. Again, the book is a huge thing. The, the removal of Aung San Hong's uh, chapters out of his book. And so we're encouraging you guys just to think about these things. I know many members probably don't even know about the book. We've heard of many members who, who didn't hear about They've been in the church for you know up to a year or more sometimes, and they hadn't even heard that Aung San Hong wrote a book refuting Mother God. And so you deserve to have the truth. You deserve to know about these things. And so that's our purpose. And we hope all of this just points, points you not to just get angry at what we're saying. I understand if it makes you angry, but I would just encourage you to talk about it with us. Again, we're opening invitations to people to uh, join us in conversations, whether live on uh, in a video on the channel for others to watch, um, or even just behind the scenes, if you just want to call us and have a uh, a more private personal call. We are doing that with different people already, and we'd love to do that with you uh, current members and just hear you out. I know I'm saying that a lot, but I want to make it clear and make it known to you guys that that's what we want to do. Um, we believe, again, in the last days, every knee is going to bow and tongue confess to Jesus, and we want to help people get free from the deception that 
the WMSUG has put on you in the twisting of the Bible uh, that has clearly taken place in their doctrine. Um, and so that's our purpose. Um, we are, yeah, we're, we're hoping to do uh, more live streams here in the near future, maybe um, in, I don't know, but maybe in the next few days or next week. I'm Again, I'm trying to get current members to come on and have a conversation. If not, we got another couple people that we want to come on and talk about. There's a few subjects we want to talk about. One thing I'm really I'm excited to talk about here in the near future is just the truthfulness of Christianity. I know many of you are leaving this group and you feel disillusioned by God. You feel disillusioned by religion, by faith, and you feel confused. You feel burnt out by it. And I totally get that. I totally get that. I can sympathize with that, with where you're at. I, and I can't imagine what it's like to come out of this group and then to try to find any semblance of faith. I know the confusion of, and the questions you have of like, what, what church do I go to? What denomination is right? And all these questions you might have, I get that. Um, I, I want to encourage you guys that those questions can be answered. There are good answers to those questions. And I believe that even though you've discovered that the WMSCOG is false, if you really look into it, you will discover that Christianity itself and I just point you simply not to a denomination or a church or an organization, but just point you to the person of Jesus and, and say that if you look at him, there is so much evidence, reasonable, logical evidence that you can dig into and find that there's a solid, firm foundation that doesn't have all these cracks and issues like, you, like we're pointing out within the WMSCOG doctrine. Uh, there might be things that are true and good within the WMSCOG, some of the things they might teach that we might even agree with. So I'm not throwing all of it out, but I'm saying the core things, the core things concerning salvation, concerning who God is. Um, these are things that are big issues. And um, I think, again, the evidence just does not support the truthfulness of this group as it does the truthfulness of uh, Christianity. And I want to, yeah, that's something I want to talk about in the near future. Uh, we're going to have um, some friends of mine, a good friend maybe that I'm talks with, in talks with who loves apologetics is going to come on. We're just going to talk in one video about uh, why Christianity is true. Even if the WMSCOG is false, the evidence that Jesus, the person Jesus really rose from the dead and, and different reasons why we believe, why we continue to have faith in the uh, truth of Christianity. And and I think it'd be fun if you guys watch that just to have, um, to come on and ask us questions as we're having that dialogue, to ask questions and uh, make comments about it that we would hope to be able to answer and, and talk to. Um, but until then, I think I'm going to sign off and call this good. I've talked a lot um, already, and so I hope all this was helpful and blesses you and, and uh, in some way leads you to uh, Jesus.